cricket isn't having low body fat percentage, a wonderful BMI, a tight rig, huge biceps, and a woman to call your own. Oh, wait, yes, it is. Cricket isn't being blessed with wonderful hand-eye coordination, a muscular-toned body, and a stable family life. It's putting the nets up before training and not being rewarded for it at all, or doing exactly the same thing with subs and not going up the grades for it at all. You look at your club presentation night and you'll think, I did all of these things, but really, you only get rewarded if you're good at cricket. Cricket isn't a family-friendly activity for all to enjoy. It's the fact that according to ABS data, 66% of marriages involving cricketers will end within 10 years, a more than two-fold increase on the national average. Yet despite the very real danger to your personal relationships, you will continue to spend your entire weekend on a cricket field chasing a long-dead dream alongside 10 rare units who vary wildly in terms of their personality disorders and marriage statuses. Meanwhile, your young family sits at home on Saturday night wondering if Daddy's out on the circuit again. The great cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a great cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. The great cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel a gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Grey Cricketer Podcast on Fox Sports. My name is Ian Higgins. What a wonderful show we have for you today. Richard Hines, respected journalist. Richard Hines is on the show. One of the greats. One of the greats. It's going to be fantastic. That's the voice of Sam Perry. He's here with me today. Sam, welcome. Unfortunately, Dave isn't here. That's right. I guess I was jumping in early because it feels like a very bare room Mm. without Dave in his allotted corner. I don't know if you've seen Wayne's World, he goes, but there's something about, you know, when Garth has to do the show on his own and, he, <laughs> yeah. and the camera just yeah. zooms in on him and he's like, yeah. party on, yeah. Wayne. <laughs> yeah. There's two of us, though. I'm yeah. sure we can carry it, but uh, let's see if we can kind of insert some dark musings of our own. Salute to you, Dave, over there in Singapore. Sorry you couldn't be with us. He's doing some filing for us in Singapore, and by that, I mean, he's got a job and he's doing his job over there. Mm. Sam, big show today. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when, when is it not a big show? No, but um, it, does, it does feel full because all formats are still represented. We had a, a you know, a glorified club presentation night in yep. the Allen Border Medal, which requires major discussion, red carpet and whatnot, wags, who wore what, uh, <laughs> especially. Um, strange haircuts, men resplendent in suits, beaming. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, also, and, and Richard Hines, I'm really looking forward to speaking to Richard Hines, not least because I want to say from the top of the show, it was actually him who you know, who is responsible really for this podcast. He seeded the idea and provided us with the connections and whatnot to um, to push this forward. So we're really happy to have him on the show. Looking forward to it. Richard Hines is the great cricketer, is what I think you said. I'm not sure I tuned out there for a bit. Sam, as I said before, there's many things to talk about. Of course, the, the ODIs, they're, they're, mm. they're sort of still going on. Like, they've sort of finished, but there's more. I like that you're leading off the show with ODIs. And we're looking at our agenda here as well. Does that say something about our view on the state of cricket? Here goes that we're starting with international cricket still. A lot of people would say that it's probably the least most important thing in cricket going on. Yeah, well, that's definitely true. Mm. Um, but, I mean, what's the biggest thing? Is BBL the biggest thing? Mm. I don't know. I don't know our it's audience. It's all in flux. I don't know our audience. I just look at numbers, and I always have. India. What's, yeah, <laughs> that's right. I'm just a numbers man. I'm just a yeah. numbers. It's just num- like any sort of chop king. Exactly. It's not about quality. It's about quantity. Always said that. You just anointed yourself a chop king? Um, I mean, I didn't, but you mm. just did, so cheers. Mm. Um, so... 
Um, I mean, we spoke about that. Mate. Obviously, the obviously, <laughs> obviously the Allen Border medal. Sixty now. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, the Allen Border medal is a thing we need to talk about. I mean, there was so much in the Allen Border medal. I'm really yeah. looking forward to getting into that with you. Yes. Um, the BBL finals, but obviously, yeah. I mean, the, the actual cricket of the BBL side. There's a, there's a lot going on, with, like match fixing. Yeah. And, yeah. and Darren Lehman being on Twitter. I as mean, ever. that's that's fascinating as well. And then, of course, Sam, my favourite time of the week is mm. hashtag ICGC. It's getting so, uh, like voluminous. We're getting a lot of people writing in now, and people yeah. wanting us to sell our page as well, which is uh, yeah. quite funny. Yeah, a chap, a chap offered us 10000 US dollars to sell the page, and we asked, yeah. what, what about the fans? And he said, don't worry about them. Yeah, it's hold. legit. So let us know what you think about that. Are you happy for us to sell the page uh, in what is obviously a scam operation? The bloke would not set, uh, send us a picture of him nor tell us who whom he worked for, but I'm sure it's all legit. But he was desperate to add us as friends, because yeah. like any good business. Like, it's like LinkedIn. Anyway, um, ODIs. I mean, where to start? Uh, well, where, where do you, I mean, the Pakistan, let's talk about Pakistan's fielding. Yeah, okay. I mean, there's a certain stereotype with subcontinental cricketers, and they really fulfilled that stereotype by just... Well, Mickey Arthur said that they were Australia were 50 runs better in the mm. field than, than Pakistan. 50 runs in mm. professional cricket. Wow. <laughs> Why are they so bad? Uh, it's, you know what's interesting about it? Like, I mean, we could peddle stereotypes all day. A few things to say about Pakistan fielding. One, I still find it kind of charming. Maybe that's the most condescending <laughs> I could be. Sure, but I, th- yeah. I still think it's, there's something cool, mm. like a rock and roll, about mm. playing international cricket and having players that can dominate some of the best in the world. Like, I love watching Muhammad Amir bowl, and some of the guys can be destructive with the bat. Not too many these days at the moment, but uh, particularly with the ball, I find Pakistan to be very compelling. But I just, I like that, you can just get to that level and be so poor at fielding. I mean, honestly, it, it is lower than some of the middle grade sides from people who will be listening to this show at the moment. And what's also interesting, finally, sorry, mm. it's actually not final at all, but <laughs> we commemorated the 87 World Cup team this week. Yeah. yeah. And they were very well known for lifting the, yeah. ma- like majorly lifting the bar and fielding through the coaching of Bob Simpson. Yeah. I've always found fielding, you know, it's more and more important. We understand it's important, but it's, gee, you know, it's boring. It can be exciting, but it's boring. And I think yeah. that helps underline Pakistan's identity as an exciting, mercurial side. I think just, I mean, I know that India is not the same country as Pakistan. In fact, they're from a different um, entire... <laughs> it's entire, always a good place to start. Entire, yeah. entire border situation, you know. Don't, let's not even get started on Kashmir. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, until that Yuvraj Singh, India, would, they just wanted to have a stick and go home. That's yeah. all they wanted, just yeah. have a hit. Have what? a stick and go. <laughs> That's God. all they wanted. That's all they wanted. But then Yuvrashing <laughs> was the first one who 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 brought like high level intensity yeah. fielding. He was very good in the field. Now like Vrat Kohli is like a wonderful cricketer in general, but mm-hmm. like um I mean they're all pretty athletic these days. But Pakistan is still lost in the nineties in many mm-hmm. respects. I mean their batting is is still very nineteen nineties. This whole one day mm-hmm. series has been like 270 chasing, apart from the last yeah. game when Australia hit 430. So, first things I'm taking out of your comments there is the great cricketers' Asian strategy is over. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, yeah. You know, for those listening for those listening out there, I, one thing on the contrary with Indian fielding is that they, they have, they lay claim to the greatest ever close-in fielder of all time. A guy, a chap you wouldn't have heard of, Eknath Solkar. Yeah, it sounds like a guy for a video game. Ekis. Um Yes. To his mates. But in the, I think, I'm going to say 50s and 60s, he, he was renowned for being this most wonderful closing catcher. Really? Um, particularly at home when a lot of catches do come your way. So yeah, I just yeah, want to yeah, yeah. shout out to our um, Asian friends if you're willing to invest in our page or, or you know, want us to sell it to you as well for more than Brett Smith, inverted commas. Uh, we, we, we bow down to Eknath. But um, I think beyond that, you're, you're right, he goes. And uh, it, it, look, it is 
quite frustrating to see, you know, what do they say? Fielding is a window into your soul, into a team's soul. So uh, Pakistan are basically rock and roll and don't care about hard stuff. I've literally never heard that expression before. Mm. But, um, but I mean, what, what else can we take away? I mean, Dave Warner hit his 19th hundred in December yeah. in one day, so that yeah. was good. But then also, there's something about Glenn Maxwell's 78 in that last ODI, which yeah. was quite refreshing to see, because he, he, he is very good to watch, isn't he? He's like, good to watch. 360. I mean, he is the, uh, he's like the missing key in that whole Australia. Evolution. I mean, I'm talking... It's <laughs> like an evolution. In like, yeah, that's right, in the Australian <laughs> cricket evolution. In their test evolution, I think, though. I mean, look, Maxwell's the guy that's just... It's, he's just so obviously the fit for that missing number six player. Totally. But, you know, there's questions over how well he gets on with or how well other people like him, Shit you know, like as policy, a bloke. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I, I, that's one thing I've learned about cricket in Australia, you know, and I don't want to use the C word, which is a, which is a huge and important word in the lexicon of cricket Australia, but like <laughs> it's important, you know, every, everyone knows that everyone in cricket is that, is a C, mm. but it's, you've got to be the right kind. Uh, yeah, clearly yeah, Ma- yeah, clearly yeah, Maxwell's yeah, the wrong yeah, kind yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of bloke mm. for that side at the moment. But I'm, but I'm happy to see him score runs because he's got a lot of skill, he bowls, uh, and I like seeing, you know, Bad blokes do well. I mean, if I want to go... Hang on. He's not a bad bloke. <laughs> Can I tell you this on a bit of a tangent? I mean, just uh, just just speaking about ship blokes, and I don't want to get too down on, you know, the Australian public too early in the podcast. I mean, we're only about seven minutes in. Still I like it, yeah. Seven minutes in. Speaking of ship blokes. But here we are. I was watching the tennis, uh, and it was the round 16, round of 16 match. Federer was serving for the match against Kai Nishikori. Yes. And... Um, it was a really good match. Kind of score is actually eighth in the world, which was really oh no, fifty fifth in the world. It was really surprising. Anyway, it was a great match. And uh, Federer is doing the ball toss as he was serving for match point, and someone from the crowd yelled out, "Nice Gary!" And I've had enough, Sam. I've had enough. Yeah. I never liked Nice Gary. You're I don't like chair. it now. I hate it so much. It's mm. the worst thing. I just I don't like when people yell out. In mid-tennis, what's the point, anyway, of yelling out in a mid-tennis match? You know it's poor etiquette. You're being a dickhead. Mm. Why are you yelling out, nice Gary, mid-serve? You're a twat, an Mm. absolute moron. Anybody who's saying, nice Gary, the cricket, spare me. Yeah, you you just know that it would be like a dare from somebody or someone talking to someone else on Facebook saying, oh, I'm about to do it. Watch match point. Mm. I'm about to yell out, nice Gary. And, you know, it'll be a viral YouTube clip Mm. and so on and so forth. It rolls on. I don't know what my point is. It just it got me really upset, and you know, I was just trying to. No, let's delve, in, let's delve into it because you're talking about you're talking about Australian identity. I mean, sure, is Nice Gary the sort of 2016 evolution of Aussie, Aussie, Aussie? You know, just the really unimaginative catchphrases. It's like we can only handle one thing per decade that we can say together as a nation, uh, and now it's Nice Gary. So maybe it's standing for all of our like lack of imagination. I, th- I mean, there's a little bit of that. I, I think it's probably the closest the evolution of bowling Shane of what mm. of what our our generation's probably the same generation grew up with and saying, but but the whole thing about nice Gary is it's so condescending mm. to one of Australia's greatest ever bowlers. You know, I, don't care I thought what... you were going to say one of Australia's greatest ever midfielders for the <laughs> Melbourne Demons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's just so much just laden with it that just frustrates me. And then just some dickhead at the tennis yelling it out when Roger Federer is trying Roger, Roger Federer is trying to play tennis. Match point. Oh, just yeah. really ground my gears, Sam. Yeah. I, I mean, warning for a big word here, but for, because it triggers a lot of people who listen to the show, but the juxtaposition between Federer, who is this like high-end elite prince mm. of in, in sporting history currently playing, 
and an Australian yelling out, probably with a flap hat on, mm. nice, Gary. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's embarrassing. It's, it is embarrassing. That's, mm. that's totally the point. Let's move on. We've given that way too much air time. It's just something I had to get off my chest, and now you can send all your hate mail to me on Twitter. Um, should we speak about the AB medal? I mean, that's, yeah. probably, that's probably the biggest yes. thing of the week. Let's talk about mm. the AB medal. Mm. Um, so David Warner is the greatest player that Australia's had this year. Yeah. That, I mean, it was surprising to me, Sam. What were your thoughts? Well, I think particularly given our discussion about where the ODIs should rank in our podcast uh, sequence, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it kind of goes to show that when it comes to the AB medal, it ranks quite a fair bit because really Warner's been named our best cricketer of the year on the back of just some supreme one-day international and to a lesser extent T20 form um, in the test matches. And, and to be fair to him, he was actually quite quick to admit this on stage. He, right. he was disappointed with his test form until the back end of the year. But he was, um, you know, I looked this up because 31 and that's what I do. Mm, like uh, one one half century from nine innings away from home mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. Of The point being the rest were less than that. Mm. Um, for a side, you know, for a side... For any test side whose kind whose credentials are basically a bit built on how well you can do away from home, mm-hmm. I was a little bit disappointed to see that the guy who becomes the best, the guy who's anointed our best cricketer of the year, um, you know, is kind is of it? like the poster boy <laughs> for struggling or for our struggles away from home. I mean, it just yeah. goes to show we're, yeah. we're so besotted with the idea of our like flat track bullies who can give mm-hmm. him a bit of a whack. Mm-hmm. He's done great things this year, no doubt, Warner. But to be our best player, Smith scored a couple of hundreds overseas this year in New Zealand and Sri Lanka. Stark's been great all around. It is just, it's, Warner can't help being selected, but what about our attitudes? I just Ian, think, what about our attitudes? Well, it just says so much about the attitudes, Sam, because here's the thing. So, so David um, has scored two test hundreds this year. And I, and I, I would uh, stand to reason that it would – I mean, I would guess, rather, that, uh, that they were in Australia on mm. flat tracks, possibly in the second innings of matches. Mm. Mm. Or in dead rubbers. And, and as you say, it's not his fault. But then he averaged 39 in a year where Australia lost half of their test matches they played. They played yeah. 12 test matches. They lost six mm. of those, mm. which is not very good. Steve Smith averaged 60. Uh, no, 69, I think. He yeah. a- a- averaged high 60. He's, he's got 1,100 mm. test match runs. Mm. But the waiting for the test matches should be – I understand they're, they're, they're double. They're, they're worth double the other, right. the other things. Um, but, but Davey smashes them. Mm. He <laughs> them, yeah, you, he you're still them. forgetting that major point that he <laughs> he whacks him and look at his look at his kaboom. <laughs> and I mean that in all senses. I just think that it's it's just so obvious that like the the grade cricket attitude of yeah, but he yeah, but he might get you a quick thirty. I mean, obviously, yeah, want to hit. He really takes the game away from you. <laughs> he can win a mean? game. He can win a he game. He can win a, a game in a session. <laughs> and he did against a deflated Pakistan side yeah, that were did. already beaten. He did, but uh, it's just uh, that. That attitude where, yeah, you know, Steve Smith, he ground out, you know, some really good away hundreds, you know, a struggling side. But, you know, but Davey, what about, you know, the SCG, you know, when we were already up 2-0. Um, you know, he's, oh, he's smashing that day. What about that pull shot he played? You know, yeah, it's just, exactly. like those attitudes are just yeah. so deep. That, but even the umpires and media are voting for it. So yeah, it's just, yeah, that's right. It's just, yeah. it's just it, it seems ridiculous to me. But then saying that. You can't take away that he has absolutely smashed them in the one day. And, yeah. so, and so fair play to him. But for him to be Australia's best cricketer this year, mm. hashtag not my AB medalist. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and a, a shout out to Meg Lanning, Belinda Clark, medal and domestic player of the year. Um, she just dominates as far as I understand. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I wanted to pick up on Hilton Cartwright. Yeah. As young player of the year, he goes. Yeah. I mean, not to get too you know bogged down in like actual cricket conversations. Sure. God forbid we do that on this show. Why would we? But uh, I would have thought 
Matt Renshaw would be a pretty decent shout for Young Cricketer of the Year. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He scored 184. He's 20. Yeah. Uh, he he yeah. made a debut yeah. with Australian cricket in crisis and steadied the ship somewhat. Right. Took a lot of really good catches. Hasn't dropped one. Uh, has had good shield form as well. I'm just not sure what Cartwright's done that Renshaw well, hasn't. I mean, Cartwright, he did bowl four overs. Yeah, and he hit a four of his first ball. That's a good point. That uh, was a good shot. That was a good shot through cover. Mm, so, that I mean, was a good shot. And he's got a good, he's got good, a good rig. rig good ch- got a good he has rig. a wonderful chest. God, we're just <laughs> droning it out, aren't we? Got a good rig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is surprising. I mean, Australia sort of found a guy who you think is going to play a lot of test matches for Australia. I mean, you, you would suspect, even just from his age, even mm. you know, even if he, he might take a little bit of break from the side, which is what I think will probably happen. But, mm. but um, we found a guy who's, who, who could potentially play 100 test matches, but, mm. he, but he's not the young player of the year. A, a guy who's played his last test match is... That's harsh. I like that we're just picking up on topics that are at least three to six weeks old. Like we're talking about nice, <laughs> nice Gary, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, David Warner's bat and yeah. Hilton Cartwright's selection. Well, it's the end of the summer. I mean, I mean, what, one last thing on the Allen Border yes. medal. Um, Shane Watson was the international T20 international player of the year. And I'm going to say, so you're speaking of lexicon, is T20I. That's what you say now. Oh, T20I. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I've haven't caught it. up. That's all right. I haven't caught up. But he's the international T. 20 I player yeah, of the year. Yeah. And um, and I think that's really interesting from a perspective where he's still in the Australian I just consider the failure. Yeah. Like, I, I would just love to interview him so much. I would just love to just, just talk to him because I'm I'm a fan. I'm, yeah. I think he's I think he's been a really important cog in the Australian side yes. for a number of years. I've said this podcast podcast mm. before, but like the fact that Australia is still trying to find a replacement for him speaks about how important he was in the team. Mm. And uh I think this is going to get sort of forgotten because he's kind of retired and now he's just playing the, the T20s and stuff, the big bash and stuff. So I, I think it's awesome for him. But I just, unfortunately, his whole career is going to be dumbed down to the idiots on the internet. As, yeah, he's been memified yeah. to, be, be, you know, beyond whatever's real anymore. He's been parodied too much. I, I thought that, like, as Australia continues its search, its vain search for this number six mm. that can bat and, yeah, bowl. Yeah that history would be kind to Watson, but memes are just too powerful. <laughs> <laughs> memes, memes beat history. Yeah. I did, look, is it, we've, got a, we've got an article coming out tomorrow or today, as most people listen to it, yeah. about uh, club presentation nights. Is it fair to say that the Allen Border, Allen Border Medal is really just a glorified club presentation yeah. night? You've got gaudy dress, you know, you know suits, guys with haircuts. That, guys in suits looking a bit too proud to be in a suit yeah. because they don't wear them very often. They're, yeah. like, they're sort of beaming because they've got their <laughs> dignity. Um, they've, they've had their hair done in the afternoon and they're just they're like, I actually look really good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's sort of two differences. One is that it's on television, obviously, mm. and then the second one is that... Um, um, Players' partners are encouraged to go. Yes, um, yeah, that's, that's right. That's players don't feel anxious about bringing <laughs> yeah, a, their yeah. female in their lives yeah. or partner. Yeah, yeah or partner. Yeah, or partner. yeah. I mean, statistically speaking, there's got to be exactly someone out there. Um, yeah. I mean, Sam, before you said that, um, that that we don't speak about present issues, let's talk about the BBL. Yeah, let's well, it's the ultimate present I issue. I don't, I don't care about the games. Yes, I, I don't care about. You what's made happening. that clear. I don't. But I want to talk about. I want to talk about the match fixing allegation. Yeah, Sam, for our international listeners who perhaps aren't across. What's happening um, in, the, in that regard? Can you please uh, inform the listeners? I'll, I'll, tr- I'll try my best. A, a couple of um, days ago, there was a match between the Adelaide Strikers and the Sydney Thunder. And as 
we'd all be used to now. Players, uh, each each team has a player marked up that speaks to the commentators to provide you know on field entertainment and, and conversation. Right. Uh, in the course of a conversation between the anchor, the Channel Ten anchor Mark, Mark Howard and Brad Hodge, mm-hmm. um, Howard revealed to Hodge, the Adelaide Strikers captain, that. Um, Ben Lachlan has dismissed Shane Watson, who was the incoming batsman, um, twice in his last two fixtures they played with each other. Now, I might have bastardised that a little bit, but it was something along those lines. So he got him out twice, and he'd only bowled like nine balls to him or something. Right, like and to which Hodge replied, thanks for that stat, I'll bring him on. Mm. And it kind of called into question the... In- integrity of this whole, um, and, and the fairness yeah. of Hodge receiving instructions from a television um, anchor yeah. while on field. You know, clearly it's unfair. It's manifestly unfair in the sense that the other team don't get similar statistics provided to them. Mm-hmm. Um, it also raises broader issues about how real is the Big Bash when uh, commentators have that level of access to players. Do Does the Big Bash even care? Does Cricket Australia even care? Is this truly just entertainment before sport? He goes, what do you think? Yes, I do. And I'm going to pick up some points that I said last week. Mm. I, said, I said last week that there's so much of the Big Bash which is just yuck, and I mm-hmm. stand by that. And the number one most yuck thing stand about the Big Bash it. is that you can talk to a professional athlete while he's playing. You don't speak to Usain Bolt when he's like on the blocks. You don't speak to a professional footballer when he's about to jump for a line-out or, or a soccer player when he's mm. taking a goal kick or a corner. You don't talk to professional athletes when they're on the field performing yeah. their duties as yeah. a professional athlete. It's so yuck, and it just shows automatically that you're just not taking the sport itself seriously. However, Sam, we were talking off-air about how the Big Bash just isn't for us. It's not, yeah. it's not for people who enjoy cricket. It's for mm. a completely new audience. It's for young kids mm. to, to get into the game, and from that perspective, it's been very successful because marketing-wise, it's a huge success. That's right. Just and, look... Put your white privilege down, your white male privilege down. He goes, the Big Bash isn't made for you. <laughs> you know, cricket isn't yours. You may sit in this dank room and it's always dank. And then I think of Stephen Dank when I say that. Yeah. But that that's an aside. Yeah. Uh, you, you may sit in this, da- you know, and, and read your dank memes in this dank room with your, with your dank headphones on and your legs crossed and your arms over your head. And you may think cricket's mine. Here I am in Fox yeah, Sports, you know, on mine. the verge of taking over the cricketing world. Mm. But it's not. Mm. It's for kids. It's a disco. You know, mm. it's, it's to get them hooked into cricket. And uh, it is. It's a first example of entertainment being more important than sports. It's completely yeah. unequal in that sense. But I don't think Cricket Australia cares because I think they think they have a, a now a ready-made generation of people, of kids, who want to follow cricket for the rest of their lives. And I think the tribalism of the commentators and stuff and the the basic bias that they actually are deliberately perpetuate is is part of that. I think that I think this investigation into Mark Howard and what went down in that mm. in that matter I think is just a bit of a I think they're just showing that they're trying to do something because obviously match fixing in the game has has touched the game recently. Yeah. Um and it's been quite prominent in Australian media recently because Pakistan were here and we thought that we were all part of that situation. Mm. It's nice to see Muhammad Amir back and, and all that kind of thing. I just think that like Love the stereotypes I just I just think that like speaking to a player I mean it just on the field it comes back to like when Andrew Simons was playing in a I think it was an international game, and he was bowling, and the commentators were talking to him then. And then there was that game um, where, like, the All- the Australian Cricket All-Stars, when, like, Gilchrist played and McGrath played, and McGrath was bowling to the current Australian team, and he got Warner out, and he was, yeah. like, in his run-up, and he was like, I'm just going to nib this one away, yeah. and he got him out, and we all loved that. Yeah. But how often is it actually funny when you're speaking to a player on the field? How often are they actually funny? Or is that just like, yeah, we're just trying to work hard here, yeah, just trying yeah. to bowl our yeah. fields? <laughs> it's just like you're just spreading the same message you do in a press well, conference, which is it's irrelevant. it's just a, like, insidious um, influence of like the media into the game. I mean, as every like 
you know, media is dying and you're trying, here we are, Fox, just saying all this stuff. <laughs> How bad are we to our employers? Apologies, the Fox. But it is. Uh, it, it, it is. And they're all looking for edges as to how you can bring people. Like people want to be part of everything. Like yep. Social media, everyone thinks they're the story. So you want to be on the field with them. There's, it raises so many issues. I mean, we like the Premier League uh, football. It. Here goes. Yep. You're running, you, imagine playing Premier League and you can actually see on the digital screens around you on the sideboards what the odds are of you winning. <laughs> yeah. You know how, yeah. like, yeah. Um, depressing or deflating that yeah. would be if you're down 3-0? It's like, yeah. you know, you're 30 to 1 to win. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, there's things like that. And the other one I was going to say was, do you remember, like, this was years ago, Dean Jones got in trouble because he there was a Victorian, like, under-23s match, I want to say. He was coaching, and he mic'd up. Not mic'd up. He created, like, an earpiece for one yeah, of his players that batting. That familiar, yeah. And oh, he was, yeah, he right. was coaching the yeah, batter yeah, yeah, out yeah, yeah. there. So I just want to talk a bit about what it would be like just to be spoken to while you're playing. <laughs> By Dean Jones. By your Dean Jones or, or your dad. <laughs> yeah, anyone. Imagine someone when are you like, going to move out? Like, what are you going like, to get a job? You play your shot off the back foot. Like, what's he going to say? Like, oh, I just think you get across a little bit more there. Or like, I think there was one in that. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, just yeah. pull him next time, champ. Yeah. 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 See, I think, let's be positive about yeah. this. Google Glass, you just start getting statistics about people as you're, as you're opening. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's obviously the way of the future. I mean, I think Albion are going to create Google Glass. I think Albion are ahead of the game mm. in terms of, you know, Google Glass. Exactly. And Albion Glass. Albion Glass. You come up with a more catchy TM. name. TM. <laughs> um, has uh, Darren Lehman had yeah. a go at Kevin Peterson let's, let's talk about that yeah. Darren Lehman seems to be very active on Twitter and he seems very angry with a lot of people and that, that, mm. that to me says speaks about someone who's not that comfortable in their current role and I don't think he's going to be there in two years time mm. is what I'm saying I think he, his actions seem of someone who's very unsettled well at least he signed a five year contract recently uh, which Many people raise their eyebrows at after recent results, which are pretty comparable to Mickey Arthur's before he went to India. So that aside, uh, I think the background is that this morning Darren Lehman tweeted, following the Melbourne Stars' loss Mm -hmm. in a semi against the Scorchers, that Kevin Peterson's got to go. And he was pretty unequivocal in the way he said it. He said he doesn't score enough runs in big games. Uh, There's been a pretty big response to that. Ballsy from Lehman in a purely political sense, given that KP is friends with Piers Morgan, who has a lot of followers. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, as we sort of prepped this show, we talked about those words from Lehman, the Australian coach, it's the highest leadership position probably in the country next yes. to the captain. Yes. Uh, not being the words of a, of a wise or judicious person. You know, to, it, it's quite kind of petty to deliberately, like he wasn't responding to anything. He was just proactively starting a, uh, a, a lighting a fire, you know, under, under the trolls of Twitter. Mm. I'm sure it's in response to Peterson having his say about Australian selections, uh, mm. again, unequivocally over the last couple of weeks. But why does Lehman need to take on KP? I mean, the guy, yeah. you know, the guy is yeah. just, it's, he's so obvious to pick the, the kind of character he is. I just feel like it, Lehman stooped a bit there. Uh, feel, and don't think it reflects on him well. It feels really strange, doesn't it? In terms of like, in terms of like, you wouldn't see, I don't think you'd see an AFL coach doing this no. or like a rugby league coach or like, I mean, Premier League is a completely different mm. thing because it's such huge exposure. Yeah. It's all very tightly managed yeah. and everything. But I just think that him even having control of his own Twitter, if he's going to do stuff like that, mm. seem, just seems really strange to me. But I think, I think ultimately for me, my big takeaway from this is again, just like the kind of people who are, on television presenting the cricket to us from Australia. Mm. You know, there's just there's just way too much. Um, Isabel Westbury um, wrote something mm. wonderful for the Raw, um, mm. and, and, I, and I highly recommend that you seek that out. And it's just about the, the kind of people who are presenting the cricket to us, like, you know, Mark Taylor, Mark Waugh, um, you know, the, all these guys that they, they just have such... They've got their fingers in so many pies in Australian cricket that there's just so much bias about what they're saying. Yeah. But then again, cricket's... The BBL isn't for us. 
and all of that sort of stuff. I mean, what you're picking up there is with the commentators, they probably don't tell us what they actually think. And yeah. ordinarily, you'd think, well, why don't you tell us what you, what you actually think? But I think that, uh, if I could say think anymore, yeah. um, perhaps producers just realise that we... We don't want to hear that. Maybe we do want that sportsman's lunch that Gus Wallen talked about a few years ago <laughs> to Jeff Lemon. Maybe we do just want our, our heroes being parochial about players and just letting it wash over us while we pay our mortgage and feed our 2.5 kids. Yeah. Maybe. I'm not sure. Um, it's been a quite an earnest chat so far. Uh, so we better get Richard Hines on the show. Okay. Hi, I'm Ryan Carters. The Great Cricketer's Book was the first book that my partner and I ever read together. It was a bit of a challenging cricket season for me, and we'd stay up late and she'd read me a chapter aloud each night before we fell to sleep. I've heard of cricketers asking their girlfriends for throwdowns, but I decided to ask mine for literary throwdowns instead. Things have gone pretty well. We recently got engaged. So thanks so much, great cricketer guys. I'm eternally indebted to you. Okay, here goes. Well, the man we're about to speak to is one of Australia's best sports writers. He's also a panellist on The Offsiders, which is probably the best sports panel show in Australia. Probably. Um, regardless of how above it Gideon Hay is. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he's also the person who made this podcast possible as well, and it's a huge pleasure to bring on to the show uh, Richard Hines. Richard, hello. Pleasure to be with you guys. Very good. Um, we always start the same way, Richard, because uh, we're unimaginative, unlike you. No, because it's, it's the appropriate place to start. What, what is your relationship to club or grade cricket? Uh, my relationship is very rocky. I, um, I don't know. I, I guess I started off in the era um, where no one got a prize. <laughs> I was in the <laughs> era where, yeah, I was, I was the pre, you didn't just turn up and get a participation certificate, which became tricky for me because I love sport and I was terrible at it. So what I found fairly early on was you have to find your place. Right. And I found my place was at the non-strikers end. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went to Warwick Nabeel Primary, which is a little dot um, on the landscape out in the Wimmera, which is uh, the wheat belt of Victoria. Right. Population 3,000, but we managed to cobble together a team. And we had a kid called Gutsy Heavener, who was the Dave Warner of Warwick Nabeel of his day. Gutsy could hit a ball a mile, which was, you know, seasonally adjusted just just enough to get over the under-12 boundaries of the day. My earliest recollection of my cricket career is making three in a 100 partnership with Gutsy Heavener. And from that, I sort of worked out that my role in life was to... You know, um, get in, alternate the strike by moving down the other end after I'd played six dot balls, um, and get get gutsy on strike and and watch his magnificence while holding up an end, and that that became the genesis of what later became real openers. So it was a very early awakening for me as a cricketer. It's it's funny you say that, Richard, because I was about to say we're all sort of familiar with Twitter phenomenons here on this call. You know, obviously this year over in America we've had hashtag, uh, hashtag mugger, um, make mm. America great again, sadly. And uh, But in Australia we've had a phenomenon started by you called hashtag real openers. Uh, mm. Can you run us a little bit through that? I think you've given us the kind of etymology of the story there, but um, w- w- what's it about? What's, what's real openness? Shouldn't you just be whacking it? Well, a real opener uh, to me, it's, it's the genesis. I've given you the genesis. Yeah. It's my own experience. And like I said, in my day, no one, there was no everyone gets a, cro- gets a prize, mm. primary school, you turn up certificate. So I've kind of turned what 
was considered, um, you know, the, the, the slog work of the day into an achievement. And I, and I loved it. I mean, I grew up as, like most Australian kids in the mid-1970s, I grew up loving Jeff Boycott. So, you know, that's where I came from. You know, I remember the first test match I went to in Melbourne. We did the four-hour drive from Warwick-Nabeel up to watch the brilliant 78-79 Australians take on England, being 4-0 down at the time. Jeff Hogg steams in at the MCG with a crowd of about 50,000 there and bowls Jeff Boycott. The crowd goes up, everyone screams. I was in tears and wanted to go home. (laughs) (laughs) I'd come to watch a boycott. Apparently all these other people wanted to watch Australia win a game, which they eventually did in the land, you know, to, to... you know, bravely go down for four one in the series, but uh, so that's the genesis of it. I guess it's uh, it's recognizing the role of the guy who digs in and um, does his job and holds up an end, and you know, recognizes that balls faced are as valuable as um, runs scored. Which I want to ask you because I'm thinking about starting my own hashtag because you know because you need permission to start hashtags yeah, on the right. internet. That's how you have to go, you know, register them first. But I'm thinking about starting mine, mm. and it's hashtag not my AB medalist. And I want to I want to ask you <laughs> I want to ask you about I mean did Gussie win all the awards um, back yeah. in the day because because he just whacked him whereas you were doing the Steve Smith role at the other mm. end just mm. really scoring hard away runs. Mm. No one cared about cricket in Warwick. Gussie won all the awards because he was a champion for the local football. Team. Right, he yeah. Probably uh, bail seven, you know, bail yeah. seven, do seventeen bales in a minute. On, on chop my, um, a chop yeah. Out in the uh, the tractor, but no, he won all the awards, and I, of course, went along for the ride. But I actually, you know, the role, the term wingman hadn't been created at the mm. time. But that's how I considered myself. You know, there was something really nice about coming off the ground. Seven not out when Gutsy had made 132, <laughs> and we'd, we'd knocked off the knocked off the opposition total without losing a wicket. Yeah. So, I, but I'm actually here. Have you had anyone on the show yet who's not promoting a book or a hashtag? <laughs> oh, no, absolutely not. You, you've got to be promoting oh, okay. something. Yeah. Well, I'm here tonight. Real openers is my old gig. I'm here for my new campaign, which is hashtag Hack My Cricket. Okay. <laughs> I'm calling upon the Russian government to hack the My Cricket Rush the website immediately and bring it down because I think it's caused an absolute disruption in the culture of Australian cricket. And the reason for this is that, as an old person, I was able, in my day, to go into a bar at any Australian pub and lie flagrantly about my average. In fact... The 13 not out, not out I made in the semi-final for Middle Park in the Mercantile C-grade grand fi- uh, semi-final in uh, 1989 has now become 132. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, let but, me just get that up on my cricket. <laughs> no, well, no, this is the point. As, a, as an older age gentleman, no one was able to then pull out a smartphone, mm. produce the My Cricket website, and then debunk my myth. Mm. Whereas now what's happening is we've, we've got kids growing up in an age where they can't lie about their average, yeah. the runs scored, yeah. without some smartass pulling out a phone and um, debunking their myths. So I think this, I don't use the term lightly and I don't use it often, but I think this is un-Australian, what My Cricket is doing <laughs> for the lives of local cricketers. Well, so, on, on behalf of the grade cricketer, on, yeah, on behalf of the grade cricketer, we, we, we fully welcome that because not only uh, is it important that you're able to lie about your average, but um, mm. if you're not, that ruins about three quarters of our jokes as well. So um, I would love nothing absolutely. more than tomorrow morning we wake up and, and China's 
you know, organise a distribution denial of service attack, much yeah. in the way they did in the, in the Australian consensus. I would love that. Yeah. My cricket just crashed. I think yeah. lying will always no, survive, think... though. Um, but <laughs> I, I was just going to say, Richard, picking up on you know your love of Jeff Poycott and stuff, we, we, yeah. we tend to like the players that we can see ourselves in. Yeah. And you were talking yeah. about the important role of the wingman in um, in cricket in times gone by. But do you think Australian cricket these days produces wingmen? I mean, do you see anybody going around today that uh, fits the real openers mould or the sort of player that you would have liked growing up? God, that is, that's possibly one of the worst setups. I mean, I've watched Rose <laughs> McManus. And really, I mean, I know you have researchers and you have guys sitting in the app, but you, know, you could have just said Renshaw. Yeah. Out loud, and, uh, you could have covered your tracks a little bit. Oh, I had uh, thought of him, yeah, yeah. No, what are your thoughts on him? Look, Renshaw, that's a good idea. Look, I, I've watched him that. I was over in Adelaide and, you know, I've... Some people had the background of Ian Chappell complaining about his run rate. I had violins playing <laughs> from the moment. What were those people thinking? I mean, for Channel 9 commentators, having watched half a summer of Australia capitulate to what I thought was yeah, fair to middle-grade South African bowling, mm. we have a guy out there putting his heart and soul on a 20-year-old and making it even better from England, just to tease them and taunt them, <laughs> yeah. Ashes Summer, doing what he did. I mean, it was a rhapsody in pads, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so I love him, and I don't know. I think, what did you guys think, actually, you know, I'll ask you a question. What did you guys think when Darren Lehman hinted that he might not open in England? I drove to the Westgate, Westgate Bridge personally. <laughs> what was I turned to Richard Hines on Twitter and just read your responses to it, actually. Uh, yeah. oh, I just, I mean, it, it's, um, we were going to talk a little bit beyond this about, you know, champ and alpha culture in Australian cricket. Yeah. Uh, but clearly, you know, Renshaw, I think one of the main things with Renshaw that I've, that I've bristled at is Lehman suggesting that despite his, um, you know, the copious amount of runs that he's scoring, that he's got to still learn to do it more quickly. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, just let him play. Exactly. That's the time. Yeah. I think you the know, I was I, I actually cultivated that in forty over game. But I think, you know I think that's the time is, you know, a motto we should all live by. Yes. Nothing more satisfying than batting in a forty over game and finishing on twenty three mm. not out. Mm. I say it to my wife constantly. <laughs> you haven't cleaned the bathroom, you've been home working in your underwear all week. Sweetheart, that's the time. Richard Richard It doesn't actually mean anything, but you know. Really, really paints, really, it. really paints a picture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want to ask you that, Richard. Is he going to play? The, I mean, like, part of me thinks that it might be better off for, for everyone in Australia um, if if they play Sean Marsh opening the batting and we just end his career in India because he averages about 0.7. Can we um, rewind the tape? Yeah. You just said it might be better for everyone if we bat Sean Marsh. <laughs> can, we just, can we check that? I'm fairly sure that, I'd, you know, there, there might be an alternate fact on this. There could be an alternative fact, but I'm pretty sure you did say that. <laughs> All I know is that Mitch Marsh is going to come good in India and he's going to average 80 with the bat and 15 with the ball. Mm-hmm. Pulling 145 yeah, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm doing Hail Marys here, but I actually, you know, Mitch Marsh at six, I'm not totally, and I'm regretting this, but it might not be the worst thing, but, you know, Renshaw, seriously, he plays. Mm. Mm. Uh, I, I want to get your take, Richard, on 
speaking of Twitter firestorms and uh, phenomenons, o- overnight our kind of our champion of champs, Darren Lehman, came out and uh, and said that KP had to go. And it's just, I mean, talk about alpha showdowns on Twitter. It doesn't get more we- uh, mouthwatering than that. You know, do you have a view on on Lehman's actions and uh, I guess the content of what he said? Does he have the White House? Yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know how Trump now has yeah, at, at POTUS, like he's yeah. got his own account yeah. and POTUS. Yeah. Maybe Lehman should get the Cricket Australia account as mm. well. Do you, <laughs> do you get that for that one? Like, I don't. I find it very hard. You know when you've got two people who you've kind of have. I would. I don't have a dubious opinion of Darren Lehman, but two people who you wonder if they should be tweeting kind of beyond. What do you call it, a circuit? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Can I ask you that? This is my other thing. I actually, you know, I was proud to um, give my endorsement to your book. The one term I don't understand is circuit. Can you explain it to me? Well, I think it's kind of derived from a Formula One circuit or a tennis circuit, uh-huh. but yeah. it's kind of applied to, uh, yeah. to where you go to socialise. Uh, so you're out on the uh, circuit. Okay. It's like the ATP circuit. Uh, mm. Okay. So, yeah, we don't have it in club cricket. We do Having not reached the grade, we just had a pub crawl. Yeah, right. So is it the same thing? Mm, pr- pretty much, yeah. Yeah, pretty but much. You just, uh, but okay. you need to equate it to something professional to feel good about yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So should, should you be tweeting? What, at what stage of the circuit should you tweet? I don't think there's a really good answer for yeah. that. I, th- I feel, okay. like, I feel okay. like... Never you, and if always. You say, that's if you say that's the only can... thing, and look, you know, with high respect to what... Darren's doing for Australian cricket. That was the only question that might have come to mind. I see. Last night reading that tweet. I feel like with the word circuit, if you say, oh, I'm going on the circuit, it makes you feel like you're actually doing something with your life other than just drinking alcohol with ten other blokes that you hate. Yeah. I feel like that's the origin oh, of the circuit. Okay. But, and the, the whole meaning okay. of Lehman's tweet might have changed if there was a hashtag that we could start now just called circuit tweets. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was circuit tweeting. That's okay. You know circuit I mean? tweeting. I like that. Yeah, no. Doesn't count. Rich, in your, in your profession, you would have met many uh, professional cricketers and, and, and semi-professional cricketers over the years, but uh, your, your boyhood hero, Jeff Boycott, you, you came across him one day. I did. Uh, look, you know when you, you build yourself up and there's a moment, you know, there's, you've... Never met your heroes. ...prepared <laughs> yourself and you... No, no, I, well, occasionally, but I've, you, you prepare yourself. And it mm. came to me on the two th- 2013 Ashes tour where, you know, Australia weren't faring well, but, you know, that sort of the recovery was on its way. Yeah. I've got into a lift at Old Trafford and the man himself is there, Jeff Boycott, <laughs> and I've beheld him in all his sort of, you know, Grecian 2000 glory, <laughs> looked at him, and I thought, I wonder, you know, you've wondered all your life what the conversation would go like, <laughs> what it'd be like, and the conversation I had with Jeff Boycott was free. I got into the elevator, said, good, mer- good morning, Sir Jeffrey, good day, and he said, three. And I pushed the button, and we went up to level three. And I'll always have that. <laughs> no one can take that away from you. No, we'll always have three, which is where we've gone. But there was a kind of a disappointing corollary to this whole conversation in that I was a Staunchly boycott man because obviously you know he knew all the rules of the real openers that I've since mm. you know educated the public on in my you know I'd like I like to think you know you you never suffer a run out but your partner might you know all the usual ones and um, 
I got I got up to my seat that very day. I got up to my seat in the press box, and they, as as you guys might know, they have little name tags there. Mm-hmm. I sat down, and the name tag next to me was Mike Breely. Ah, and I thought, boyhood nemesis, no, I'm a boycott <laughs> man here, boycott steel openers, and I'm sitting next to Mike Breely, the patrician villain of my childhood days. You know, is it like a Clark Cadditch thing? No, it's kind of more like a. I can't, I can't think. There's no, there's no real comparison because mm. they were both so it's exactly in the same different ways <laughs> opening batsmen. Yep. Yeah, really, just had that sort of patrician, yes. hasty-faced English villain. <laughs> yeah, you know, eighty headingly. You know, yeah. Both of them still should have been captain there. You know, yeah. we win the Ashes. Yeah, yeah. So I sit down next to Mike Brealy prepared to hate him in every way. So I was going to, you know, give him my real, you know, blue steel all, you know, for all five days. Turns out to be the loveliest guy you will ever meet. Uh, he was just fantastic. Uh, like, and his stories were it was absolutely atrocious. You know, his stories about, <laughs> you know, visiting the Australian embassy. He was so self-deprecating about the whole tours and what he'd suffered, his own batting, you know, his deficiencies, you know. He was just lovely. Every journalist who came up to him, he'd give them a quote for their stories, you know. So it's, you know, so of course it made me hate him even more. <laughs> now, far more natural response. Yeah, because, you know, not once, I sat next to him for five days, we spoke constantly and whatever, not once did he say three to me. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, an, an absolute pleasure having you on The Grey Cricketer. We really appreciate it. And just taking a chance again to thank you uh, while you're on the phone for making all of this actually possible. We sit in this dank room in Fox Sports. It uh, wouldn't have happened had you not seated the idea with us. Our first champion. Mm, that's I would, right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it if I'd known you weren't going to have a superior class of guests. So you <laughs> yeah. need to improve that. But otherwise, that on. Thank all you on very much. Um, we'll speak Thanks, to you next please. time, Richard. Cheers. This summer, we've got the biggest renovation challenge yet. Two teams will have to transform not one, but two broken down grade cricket dressing rooms every single week. There will be tension. What even is grade cricket, Dazza? Why did we take time off work to do this? Come on, Charlesy. Work hard, love. (laughs) There will be drama. I just... I just want to make this perfect. Great cricket deserves a great home. But when the reveal comes, there will be joy. Oh, 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 oh God, lads, boys, look at this, right? Results, results. Ever since the missus booted me out and took the kids, I've been sleeping in this dressing room. It's a second home to me, literally. So this is, this is really special. For us to be able to come in and give these grade cricketers a beautiful new dressing room, one they can drink their beers in, sing the club song, judge each other in the showers, yeah, you know, it makes you feel good. But this ain't no charity. Not when the stakes are this high. I'm not here for a bloody holiday. If I wanted that, I would have gone to Bali or Thailand. It's Australia's toughest renovation competition. Winner takes all. If I have to dish out a little bit of chin music, I will. <laughs> Presented by Australia's favourite knockabout blue-collared larrikin millionaire. We're giving great cricket the Renault makeover it deserves. 
Renault Rampage. Coming soon. An esteemed Australian journalist, sports writer, uh, and very funny person, Richard Hines. Awesome to have him on. It's that time, Ian. It's <laughs> time for Ask TGC. I want to say hashtag Ask TGC. Thanks for everyone for uh, using that. It feels really technical and professional. We all know. It makes it a lot easier for us to find the questions, to be honest, because you can imagine we get more than seven notifications a week. Yeah. It's really difficult for us, obviously, <laughs> yeah. dealing with this internet fame, as you can see. The first one comes from John Fetchy. Uh, and there's quite a few this week. Some of them are longer than others. We'll see what we can get through. It's, it's, but this one's a short, a short one. I like it. John Fetchy says, which gave birth to alphadom, the Aussie test sides of the 80s or 90s or grade cricket? Really interesting question, John. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that I like to think that it started in the test arena. I think yeah. they sat down at a team meeting and they go, right, we're going to verbally disintegrate these, these players. And then people saw it on the television and there was exposure for it and they brought it into the lower levels of cricket. Saying that, all these, everyone started from the bottom, mm. so maybe these, I'm, I'm not sure. Chicken and egg. Well, I, I, there's a few things I want to pick up from sure. this. Firstly, I like the binary question of, like, it has to be one or the other. <laughs> yeah, it can't be both. Yeah, Secondly, yeah. I like that this whole, like, male construct of Alfredham had to have come from our cricket sides. <laughs> like, I would have thought it would come from, like, winning World War One. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Like, I just think the arrogance it would have come from winning the Great War, and it was a devastating war, but winning that might have given birth to that kind of muscular Christian yes. uh, person who kind of well, dominated everyone based on rigs. Yeah, I mean, World War One was as much, you know, Battle of Attrition, I'm thinking, well, that's Battle true. of the Somme, and whereas, yeah. you know, later wars, you know, Vietnam, we just bombed them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry to our septuagenarian uh, listeners out there. Um, anyway, I, I guess it's probably more than those two areas. If I have to say out of stretch, I'm going to say 80s or 90s. Okay. Okay. Second question from Jack Hewitt. Is that my, my pronunciation? Yeah, long, long, longish one. Uh, he says, Good day, boys. I have a query about, uh, about preferred cricketing attire. My apologies for reading that incorrectly. I am a wicketkeeper who plays third grade at best. I have always worn short sleeves and for the last five years or so, a bucket hat in team colours with $2 Ray-Ban sunglasses straight from Bali. I'm not sure if I want to go on. Yeah. This is disgusting. I've somehow in my lifetime missed the fact that keepers should always wear long sleeves. And in hindsight, this makes sense as I would have avoided some unfortunate tan lines on my forearms. In light of the gotch, in light of gotch, Sam gotch, uh, being chastised on national television by Gilly and co in commentary, I'm wondering if I should follow suit, dig in and continue with my regular kit or bite the bullet and get a long sleeve shirt. Thanks for your help. P.S. My dad was a keeper, and I'm pretty sure he never mentioned the long sleeves rule purely to, purely to alpha me. I like the idea that a dad has sort of like preconceived <laughs> ideas about what he's going to alpha his son on. Yeah. I think I'll alpha him on this. What do you want, a boy or a girl? Oh, I want a son, and yeah. I'm going to alpha him. <laughs> <laughs> do you notice beta coming into the conversation? Uh yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Like yeah. someone wrote in recently, it, it was Harry Bede, friend of the show, wrote in and yeah. said, like, is there anything more beta than getting a nickname yes. with just the first and second, uh, your, your, yeah, that's the initials right, yeah. of your first and second name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. More beta, it's more beta nickname. Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess it is sneaking. I mean, this this question of um, Jack's is really simple. Yeah, let's stick with that one. Yes. Uh, get a long sleeve shirt, you yeah. idiot. Why are you, why are you wearing a short sleeve shirt with a bucket hat and two dollars? I'm not sure if you're taking the piss. I've got an earnest question, though, because he says, in hindsight, this makes sense, as I would have avoided some unfortunate tan lines on my forearms. Is that why keepers wear long sleeves? Because no. surely that logic would apply to everyone on the no, field. That's not so why. he's still not getting it, Jack. Yeah. It's like you just wear it because it, you, you look yuck with short sleeves yeah, no, and, and flappy 
duck-like hands as keeper gloves. Like, imagine if Roger Federer had his hat back to front. It wouldn't look right. He yeah. looks silky smooth like a gazelle. Yeah. And the reason that you wear... I mean, ultimately, the reason where you wear long sleeve shirts as a wicketkeeper is because the gloves come up to about mid-forearm. Yeah. So it looks like you're wearing three-quarter pants. So I, so, so it's the equivalent of wearing three-quarter pant mm, keppers. Corduroys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was... Um, <laughs> It's kind of like putting your leathers on as a motorbike rider. Like, because if you come off, you want to have good stuff to roll with. Like, long yeah, sleeve shirt is good yeah. for that for keeping because yeah. you can roll and That's not true scrape well. your arm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave Cornford writes in. He says, when an 18-year-old ex-Greenies player finally sobers up enough from schoolies to bring his perfect rig along to training, then knocks over the captain in the nets and gets fast-tracked into twos. It's a comment. It's, it's just a straight comment. Yeah, and uh, for those who don't know what Greenies is, that's Green Shorts Under-16 competition yep. here in Sydney. So when an 18-year-old ex-Under-16 representative played player finally sobers up enough from schoolies, and then he, yeah, he's got a good rig, and I'm not sure what the comment is. I'm not sure what the point is. Is he, does he want us to post that? Oh, I just think he's giving us another standard kind of grade situation. It might have been one of those questions that come in that uh, people want us to tweet. The amount of people, especially on Facebook, who, <laughs> who, who write private messages thinking that they've got the funniest idea ever and it's rubbish. And we're never going to use what you've said. We're never going to use what you've said. You're not funny. We're getting a bit above our fans here, aren't we? Like we're going to slap mate. us down. Mate, our fr- our slap fans. us down. Pathetic losers. Mike Skinner from the streets. Great first album because he was from the streets. The second one was about being famous and no one bought it. Greg Curtis, though, speaking of friends, though, I'm not going to read out his full message, but it's a message of thanks to us. He's from the Gators in Brisbane. Go so the those, those who know the podcast well will recall when we basically alpha the shit out of Greg when he, <laughs> when he yeah. wrote in and we accidentally. about it was an accidental alpha but is it is it ever accidental and we thought that he was talking about a grade club we thought he was talking about a um a park club when yeah. he was talking about a grade club anyway yeah, he wrote in and and they've they've won um their KFC 2020 first grade finals so decent side I'd imagine and he said captain Corey Barsby Club Chop King and son of Queensland legend Trevor was glowing in the support that TGC had given the club in his humble victory speech. I wouldn't mind a, a um, transcript of that speech. Yeah. So thanks for the plug on the TGC podcast as the crowd was the biggest ever seen at the Gator Dome in living memory. Greg Curtis. I also like the name of that club because it sounds like a kind of NFL franchise. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It also reminds me of the Waterboy uh, for some reason. But mm-hmm. um, uh, Greg, uh, Greg needs to get in touch with us because if TJC was mentioned in in the in the captain's victory speech, we need to speak to him in terms of royalties. Um, <laughs> Paddy, offering <laughs> fans again. <laughs> Paddy Fagan writes in, "Hi TJC. Firstly, I'm a sixth grade single twenty eight year old terrible cricketer with a sloppy rig, averaging twenty odd, who drives over an hour each way to play at the club where I played juniors because all my mates still play first there, uh, and I like to hang around them. That's the best sentence ever, yeah, and so yeah, vulnerable. Marry right. me, marry." Yeah. It's like an RSVP status. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on. It's a Tinder profile. Mm. Anyway, it's come to my attention lately that you three called the club rooms the clubhouse. My housemate played a season with me who also called it the clubhouse and was laughed off the field by the entire team, <laughs> scored a diamond duck in a grand final, and has never played again. Hell of an image literally being laughed off the field by an entire team. Really daunting, mm. yeah. I always thought he was the only one confused with the golf clubhouse and the cricket club rooms until recently listening to you. Have I been wrong my whole life? Point and discussion. Let's get back to the rooms for a beer. Works so much better than let's get back to the house for a beer. Okay. First things first, Paddy. I just was completely unaware that we were saying clubhouse because so that's I. not a thing that you say. And I'm I'm really appreciative that 
Paddy, you've picked up on lexicon because you, you can't, you cannot get words wrong in cricket. Ten years hard work, Spot getting up. every word right, mm. politically and socially working your way up the feudal system of grey cricket. One stray word like clubhouse will send you hurtling down mm. the greatest snake on the game of snakes and ladders <laughs> that is grey cricket. So it's a it's an awareness message from you, Paddy, more than anything else. I didn't know we were saying clubhouse at all. So I wasn't aware of that. Apo- apologies. Let's just blame Dave. Oh, Dave. He's not here. Dave, it must be a Singapore thing. Yeah. Uh, so, but let's get yeah, let's get back to the rooms. Clubhouse, it's 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 not a thing. No, it's not a thing. thing. Denouncing it immediately. Lockie McKenzie. No, no, sorry, can I just say this? Sorry. This is just one I want to include. This is another example of the messages we get. Mm-hmm. Lockie McKenzie, just while the ODI was on. Hi, are you at the SCG? <laughs> That's it. Like we weren't. But I, I'd like to know what would have happened. I mean, maybe I'm being rude again. He just yeah. maybe wanted to catch up. Well, I think I think what's happened is because our profile picture still says live at the SCG. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's what's happened. Bad, okay, there. fair enough. Pete E. Charles writes in and he says, "Hi guys, I'd like to know what your thoughts are on Cricket Australia hiring Monty Panesar as spin bowling consultant ahead of the Aussie Tour of India." Upon hearing the news, I had to laugh as the last time I heard Monty's name mentioned was when he was urinating on bouncers outside a dodgy nightclub in Brighton. Also, can I give a quick shout-out to my mate Michael Curry? Me and Big Kev miss him, and London isn't the same without him. Come back to London, Michael. Come back. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. Hashtag AskTGC. Um, what are our thoughts on Monty Panesai? It's a strange choice. He's playing great cricket for Campbelltown here in Sydney. Oh, why not? I, I think a lot of those things get beat up a lot more than they actually are. Uh, he he did really well against India a couple of years ago, so I'm sure he'd have like half an idea. He's in Australia, and I think they just go, well, Monty, if there's anything you can tell us that would help, we'll give you some money in exchange for that information. Yeah, I don't think he's sitting down and giving hour-long PowerPoints. <laughs> yeah, ex- ex- exactly. <laughs> or I, is he? I like him. There's a really good piece. Um, I think it was... It was a really good piece that came out in The Guardian about Monty Panesar recently. I'm going to say it's from Will McPherson. I'm going to just take that uh, gambit. And it was Will Mac. really cool to read about Monty Panesar and some of his struggles that he's come through to sort of be the person he is. He wants to have another shot at international cricket. And he was an enigma when he played. I, I, th- I thought he was a great bowler. Mm-hmm. So all the best to Monty. I didn't know much about urinating on bounces outside a dodgy nightclub in Brighton, though. But you know, who uh, hasn't? That was, that was who hasn't? Yeah, uh, yeah, I did that this morning. Um, that was the thing that got yeah, it was in the press last week. I think the Daily Mail picked it up. Okay, so you know, huge if true. Mm, last, ben Matthews, last question. Yep, oh, there's there's two. There's Sorry, two. Ben, no, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Hey guys, this is Ben Matthews. Hey guys, love the show. I understand that because I play amateur cricket in England, I am village compared to the grade level in Australia. <laughs> oh, that's a great little uh, opener. But my, my question is this. This preseason, I attempted to, to dethrone the captain at my club in an attempt to become the captain myself. I was unsuccessful in my attempt and have made the wise choice in leaving the club. I am unsure about how to act around my new teammates. Do I continue to be my quiet, introvert self? They are unaware of my unsuccessful attempt at my previous club. If not, what do you recommend? Secondly, how do I approach the post-game shower situation? Thanks, Ben Rubik's Matthews. <laughs> Rubik's inverted okay, so The shower situation has got nothing to do with what mm. you've tried to do at your former club, but yeah. how, do you, how do you approach it? Yeah, I think he needs to go to a psychiatrist. I just, firstly, just the idea that, like, <laughs> which, which person do I be? Do I be? Which person should I be? When I, I mean, just be yourself, man. 
Yes, but just, if he hasn't got a good rig, then what's the point? So I understand his I understand his question there. But what's going to happen if he turns up and he like puts on a particular personality, presuming he's got three or four to pick from? Yep. And uh, but he's playing the role for so long, he's eventually gonna it's, he's going to snap, isn't he? It's going to become toxic, and then he's just you know if he's the introvert, he's just going to he's going to have a massive blowout on yeah. the field. The good thing is about this about his situation about trying to overthrow the previous club captain is yep. that that's not on the internet. So if he'd lied about being, you know, a batting all rounder, bats four, bolts some leg spin, did quite a lot of overs, and they just go, oh, I'll go you your name. Oh, you've actually never played cricket before, and you, you've got six warrants outstanding. Mm. <laughs> Why would that come up again? <laughs> um, then that's a different situation. But because he's trying to overthrow, and it's he's left, he's played that quite well. Mm. Um, I forget what his question is. Chub up in the showers. <laughs> <laughs> My answer to everything is a default. I'm not sure what to say in a job interview. The club off spinner writes in is on Twitter at Great Cricketer. Is there any better feeling than being dropped, winning, and watching the higher grade lose? Oh. We haven't picked up on this. I think it's a really good insight. Oh well, the winning doesn't matter. Like the, the winning, like you playing in a winning side doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. If he's got dropped and he scored runs, yeah, okay. So if he if he's if he's dropped and he scores sixty, and by sixty I mean thirty seven. Yep. Um, then the high team. I mean, that's that's a great weekend because then you can go just go, you guys need me. You need yes. me, don't you? I had some runs in me this weekend. What did you do? You dropped me. I think what the club off spinner is getting at yep. is, uh, and you will have experienced this, he goes, is that smug satisfaction when you rock up to first grade as a team, yep. maybe beer in hand because you've won early yes. and they've lost. You know, And say, let's say you've performed well and you've been dropped the previous week and you've got your sort of heart, you've got your stubby of VB, you're wearing some <laughs> tattered Haviana thongs, you've already got your tan yep. like your, um, and you're wearing your club training gear and you kind of cock a hoop three cricket beers in so you're basically drunk. Yes. And first grade are losing. Yes. That, that's a pretty good feeling. Yes. And you also get the opportunity to ask everyone, oh, how did you go? Hoping for the reciprocal question, exactly. oh, how did you get on? Yeah. Because that person hasn't – obviously, you would never ask anybody in any situation. If you know they've done well, never ask that person how they went. Only, mm. only ask them how they went if you know that they failed. Speaking of how have we gotten on, it's the end of the show. I think we've done pretty well. An announcement as we uh, conclude the show. Next week will be our last show for the series. Um, been very grateful to be with Fox Sports for this time. Uh, it's just time to finish it up. Basically, everyone wants to finish playing cricket about this time of year, <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah, what yeah. we're doing. Cause Please, we, no more finals. Because we can. Um, Fox Sports were desperate to have us, uh, I'm fairly certain. But um, we're going to do everything possible to make it a cracker. If there's any guests that you want on, let yeah. us know. Yeah. No guarantees on any of it. <laughs> but just let us know to talk to us because we want, want to be spoken to. Yeah. But next week's our last week, so we're going to make it a big one. Dave will be back, yep. and uh, we'll catch you then.